Father, today, there's a fact share with us, Lord, what you are being imparted to him, Lord, Father. We ask that you just empower him further, Lord, Father. the words that come out of his mouth and not be of his own words, but of your word. Because your word is power in itself, and your word cuts deeper than the two of We give you praise and thanks, Lord, Father, for what is about to be said, Lord, that we not to be falling on that ears, Lord, Father, and help to be nourished, Lord, and brought in. Amen. As Audrey and other people have said, we're in a, a process of change. Uh, the change hasn't taken place, it's a process of change. We're in transition. <laughs> You've got it. We're in a process of transition. That was an underlining uh, of that. Some of you last week might have thought that uh, we were, uh, the change had taken place, that we'd said goodbye to Phil and Daphne. Um, I don't know whether any of you did say goodbye to Phil and Daphne. I certainly didn't say goodbye to Phil and Daphne because no. Phil is still with us. He's still working for the church. He's still meeting with some of us during the week. He's looking after the uh, building extension, etc. So this is not something which has taken place, but is we are still moving through that period of transition. It's a transition stage. And during times of change and transition, um, there's always a feeling that this is a little bit awkward. Some people don't like change. Uh, I find change very, very difficult. There's a, probably a few of us here who don't care what the change is as long as we change. As long as we're changing, that's the most important thing, that we change, whatever it happens sort of thing. There'll be some of us here that will not like the change, and no matter what it is, that we will not want change, we don't like it change, um, and any change is bad as far as they're concerned. But I suspect that the majority of us will be thinking, well, I'd like to know what that change is all about, and if you can share it, if you can tell me what it's about, then I'm open to, I'm open to change. Uh, I might not like it, or I might like it, but I'm, I'm open to change. And so where we are at the moment is in a process of change. The move to Mandeville School is part of that process of change. I said to Agnes last week, it's all because we're part of you come and join us as the tabernacle of praise. We've become a tabernacle. We've moved. We move from, we move from here down to the, uh, the cafe, and then we move from the cafe back up to here again. And then we've got to move to Mandeville School, and then we hope to move back down to the centre again. It's, it's part of the tabernacle. It's a part of that process of change. But it's a transition we're going through. It's, it's not arrived. It's, it's that process that we're going through. And that process of change at times is very often uh, very uncomfortable to, to some of us. And what we've been trying to do over the last few months and over the coming months, we, from time to time, we'll be sharing with you part of that process of change, what it means, what it looks like, what it could be. And uh, part of that was shared wonderfully, I thought, by uh, Anne the other week, a couple of weeks ago, when she shared from Ephesians, that passage from Ephesians, Ephesians 2. 
And I just mention it because it's brought out a couple of times already today. She spoke, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that has been repeated a number of times this morning. We've talked about that passage from uh, Ephesians 4 about equipping you for, for good works, for service. And that is a part of that equipping for works of service. And that passage of scripture that uh, Audrey quoted for Levine, God has foredained them. This is what this, that scripture she spoke on. God has got a plan and a purpose for our lives which he's ordained and worked out in advance. And we need to find out what that plan and what that purpose is. And so that is part of that process that you need to do and we need to do together to find out what God has purposed. What good works has he planned for us to do? We need to find that out. And that's what Anne was sharing a couple of weeks ago. But what we're talking about is something fundamental. That is, that is a fundamental thing. And we shall probably pick that up again in, in the future days. And we've been talking about the good works and find out what those are. But there is also something else which is very, very fundamental, which we've talked about, but I want to spend this Sunday and in a couple of weeks' time, I should develop it a little bit further. And that is relationship. I see Angus sitting there and I'm thinking, we've spent a lot of time, Angus and I, together when he's been doing decorating in my house. And if you know anything about Angus, the preparation is so important. When you do a job, the preparations, the foundations are so key. But you don't see anything in the preparation. It's all, it's, it's not the exciting part of it. But the preparation that's go on is important. You can see that physically down at the centre. The foundations have been built. The foundations are important. But that's not the glamorous part of all the work. The digging of the holes, the laying of the concrete, etc. But it's so important to get the foundations right. And on that, we can start building. So we should be talking about some foundational issues and finding out what your, the plan that God has got for you for these works of service is part of it. But another foundational thing is relationships and I want to spend some time talking about that this morning and sharing with you. We've had communion and I want to say to you that the centrality of the cross is all about relationship. Now this may be simple foundational basic stuff that you've heard before but it's so important to get these basic things right. You see, the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only begotten Son of God on behalf of sinful, fallen humanity is the central point of expression of God's love, his just judgment, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness and saving power. It's all there in the cross. The cross is central and foundational to what we are all about as a church. The teaching of the early church was all about the teaching and the preaching 
of the cross. Paul went right into the Corinthians and said this, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. That was the message, the fundamental thing of the early church. It's the foundation of the new covenant that God has made with us. And it's the sole ground on which the relationship with the creator, God, is restored. You see, I believe that a revelation of the significance of the cross will impart among each one of us a lifelong passion, gratitude, desire, a desire to worship and to serve God and Jesus. This is why it's so important that we understand the centrality of the cross. But we're faced with the dilemma of sin. So what's the fundamental nature of sin? I believe it's true to say that of the, at the very root of every human problem, there is either sin or it's the result of sin. Sin is the fundamental human tragedy in our lives. It's the biggest problem, and perhaps it's the only problem in the individual's life. That sin may be our own sin, it may be someone else's sin that affects us, or it might well be the result of a, a, a generation of sin, the general nature of sin. You know, if we could find an answer to sin, then we would find an answer to the whole of human problems. We would really have achieved something if we could find an answer to sin. We would have really would have achieved something. You see, it was the entrance to sin which came into the world that caused such devastation. And therefore, dealing with sin would bring about a restoration. But why is sin such a problem? You see, if sin is the key issue and the cross is the only antidote, we need to see why the effect of sin is so devastating. Now, if I was to ask you that question, you would probably say, the real problem is that because God is holy and righteous, uh, and therefore sin is an offence against his holy nature and his very person. And that would be right, up to a point. And of course it's the prime issue. But it's the result of sin, which is the key that I wanted to emphasise this morning. I would suggest to you that God is more concerned about the separation which is between us and God, than the sin which separates. Now let me say that again so that it sinks into you. God is more concerned about the separation which is between us and God than he is about the sin that separates. It's the separation. It's the separation that there is between us and God that he's more concerned about. Sin that causes it, but the, but the result is that separation. And that is what God finds so devastating. 
You see, the curse of sin is alienation. We are alienated from God. And the original intention, right from the very beginning, was that she, we should be in a relationship with God. You see, God is a relational being. We've got the Father, we've got the Son, we've got the Holy Spirit, and they're all in relationship with one another. They're all loving one another. They're all looking out for one another. They're all serving one another. They're all concerned about one another. God is a relational being. He expressed, he has expressed in unity of relationship. It's uniquely in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's three persons, yet it's just one. There's a unity and a oneness there. And a study of scripture will reveal that the essential, there is essentially a harmony which exists between the Father, Son, and the Spirit. There's mutual love. There's mutual honour. There's esteem. There's cooperation. There's submission. And every virtue of perfect relationship is contained within him. In his creative desire to be, bring man into being, he did so, you will remember. He says, let us make man in our likeness. And just as God is a relational being, he wants us to be a relational being as well. It was the reproduction of his own relational capacity and nature which he built into man. We are made to be relational people. And therefore... If there is any upset between us, we need to put that right. And I'll pick that up uh, in later weeks. In one sense, the gospel is all about an invitation. An invitation from the Godhead to share in that relationship with the Godhead. Because the motivating force of the Godhead is towards others. And so often selfishness is what motivates us. In this sinful world. You see God. Wants a relationship with us. God made us. God made mankind. To have a relationship with him. Arguably. We could say that God's action. In creating man was not about his own need. But out of his desire. To express his love. Outside of himself. From the very beginning of creation. God's plan was to share his life with the, with the human beings he created and allow the people the joy of having fellowship with him. The primary thrust of scripture is about the desire of God to be with his people. In recent years, we've started reading scripture from the New Living Translation, and sometimes it brings out some of these gospel, uh, the, the uh, scriptures, in a very unique and a wonderful way. And this is what uh, the New Living Translation says in Ephesians 1 and verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. It gives God great pleasure for us to be part of his family and to be in relationship with us. The essence of God is God's love and giving, and it gives God great delight to have a, a lovely, wonderful, close relationship with us. If you want to please God, 
just have a good relationship with him. And the work we do on earth is to be developed out of our relationship with God. It's out of who we are that we minister. We do not minister in order to get that relationship. It's out of our relationship with God that we work out our ministry. So our relationship with God is fundamental. It's the foundation. It's what everything is built on. We don't do things for God in order for him to love us. We love God, and out of that love for God, we do things for him. Do you understand? It's, that's the order. Love me, and you will become fishers of men. Not become fishers of men, and you will show my, your love to me. It's out of that love, and it's out of that relationship with God that our ministry develops. And that's why this relationship is so fundamental and so key. You see, right at the very beginning, God was in harmony uh, with man, and man was in harmony with God. From the very beginning, man was in complete harmony, was complete relationship with God. And out of this relational unity, the whole of creation enjoyed an order and a perfection that reflected the harmony between man and God. Everything was wonderful in the Garden of Eden. Because there was harmony, there was a relationship between humans and God. There was an open communication between man and his creator, a complete and a fulfilled relationship. There were no barriers, there were no divisions, there was nothing which separated God and man. And God was accustomed to walk with Adam and Eve, he used to walk with him in the cool of the evening and have that wonderful relationship with us. And God planted this wonderful place called the Garden of Eden as a sanctuary, a place where he could enjoy that wonderful fellowship with mankind. A place where he could share with them. And God wants us to come to him with our joys and our successes. He wants us to share our laughter with him, to be our best friend, to be our companion, to be our lover. And how his heart must rejoice when we do set aside time to be with him. We take time away from our labours and our activity and we spend time in his presence just being with him. We devote ourselves to him wholly. I might have said to you before that if you've done, uh, the, looked at the love languages and thought, what is the love languages that, uh, that God has? We may feel sometimes that it's working for him. That's what shows our love. That's the way, the way he appreciates us. But I believe the number one love language for God, the way he appreciates our love for him, is when we spend time, when we spend quality time with him. And the second one is when we express wonderful words of appreciation in our worship. God wants to spend time with us. He wants to develop that relationship with us. There were no barriers between man and God. The relationship was complete without any sin. And you see it says in Genesis there that the Adam and Eve were, eight, were naked and they felt no shame. There was nothing, there was no need for them to cover up in any way. Because they had that wonderful relationship with God. But when sin came into the world, the first thing they did was to cover up. There was that barrier that was created there. 
The moment that Adam and Eve sinned, their relationship with God broke down and they had to hide themselves from the presence of God. First thing they did when sin entered the world was to hide from the presence of God. That relationship with God was broken. They alienated from themselves from the very source of life. Then they were cast out and they were driven from the Garden of Eden. They destined themselves to be alienated from the very source of life. And it was such a critical stage. It was so important to God that he had to have a, a cherubim with a flaming sword to stop them coming back into the Garden of Eden again. It was that important to him. So we find that sin separated man from God. But it also separated mankind from mankind. See, this relationship thing is not only a relationship with God, but it's a relationship which is horizontal as well. And sin brought an alienation of a relationship into the world. There was an alienation between Adam and Eve. It says that when sin entered the world, as I said before, they sold fig leaves together and made coverings from themselves. That means they hid away. They, they, that which hides is the, the expression. They grabbed the nearest things to cover up their feelings of vulnerability and shame. In this case, it was leaves. The relational harmony, love and unity was destroyed by sin and the consequences outworked in every human life today. Every human malady that has been designed through the centuries, it's outworked. This sin is outworked in lives. And when Adam and Eve sinned, Adam started blaming God and he also blamed Eve. He said, the woman that you put here, she gave me some of the fruit. Nothing to do with me, the fact that I ate it. But you gave me this woman and she made me eat it. It's all your fault. If it's not her, your fault, then it's her fault. The alienation started, that breaking out of relationships started there, right at the very beginning. So you see, God intended them to rule over this creation in harmony with one another. They were there as partners in this. But now, as a result of sin, Adam and Eve, or Adam was to rule over Eve, in contrast to the ideal conditions in the Garden of Eden. That harmony between Adam and Eve broke down. Their relationship from that point onwards would include a power struggle. And that's what so happens. So often happens with human beings today. There's power struggles going on in relationships. The New Living Translation of Genesis 3 verse 16 makes this more evident. It says, you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. But God is looking for that oneness and that relationship to be restored again. That there would be a harmony, that there would be a oneness within human beings and mankind. And you see, it's the alienation is the curse of mankind. It's this relationship breakdown is the big thing. Sin brings a curse, and the primary and fundamental result of sin is a broken relationship. Primarily, the dilemma of broken relationship and alienation is at the heart and essence of every human problem. 
every human problem is to do with relationship fundamentally but just as harmony with God was the source of humanity a source of harmony in creation order so alienation from God has resulted in chaos disorder and strife so you see the problem very serious see you all looking with worried faces on your on you but the good news is reconciliation is the key message of the cross reconciliation is the key message of the cross because it's through the cross that relationships are restored again just as sin is the power to separate from God and fellow man so the cross has the power to restore the relationship that alienation which sin caused it's the cross that enables that relationship to be restored again through his death on the cross Jesus achieved what no human being can ever achieved and that is reconciliation with God the Father It's restoring the relationship with God again that's the important factor. The ultimate goal of Jesus was therefore relational and therefore Christianity is more about relationship than a religion. Amen. So we're not talking about a religion with lots of rules and regulations and things you've got to do and you've not got to do. You've got to do this, that and that. Christianity is fundamentally about a relationship and a relationship with God. It's relational. Two Corinthians five verse eighteen says, "All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation." What's your purpose in life? What's one of the things you need to do? You're in the ministry of reconciliation. You are a minister of reconciliation. You are there to reconcile human beings to God in the first place and to reconcile human beings to other human beings. Basically, it's as simple as that. It's all about restoring relationship, a relationship with God and a relationship with other people. We sung this morning, I will love you with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my might. That's the great command. And the second is love your neighbour as yourself. Scripture says everything else, all of Scripture, is based on those commandments. If you did those and nothing else, then you would be in a good place. If you love God with all your heart, soul, strength and might, and love your neighbour as yourself, that would be a good start. And that's what, basically, what Scripture says is that that's what all the Bible is all about simple isn't it difficult to do but but that's simply what it's about it's all about relationship the Collins concise dictionary defines to reconcile as to make two apparently conflicting things compar compatible or consistent with each other how can you how can you make one a holy and a righteous God with sinful man but that's what the cross does 
It brings them together, it reconciles them, it brings them into relationship with another. Because sin separates, sin has got to be dealt with. But the reason for dealing with sin is that so the relationship can be restored. Relationship, relationship, relationship. You see, when sin came into the Garden of Eden, there was a great big gap that suddenly appeared between God and mankind. A big schism. Any of you that have been to the great, uh, um, what do you call it, the Grand Canyon in America? Uh, it's, it's huge. I don't know, it's what, 10 miles apart in places there? You cannot get over it. It's something like that. There was a big gap, there's a big cavern, but with, with the Grand Canyon, you can at least spend a day going all the way down and a day going along and a day going up again. But this gap was so big, it couldn't be bridged. And as David said, Jesus has come to bridge that gap. It's just like you trying to jump over the Great Canyon and 10 miles wide, you can't get over it. And as far as you try and reach that, as far as you try to do something, you're unable to bridge the gap. Mankind spent years and years and years, as we read in the Bible, trying to bridge that gap, and it was unsuccessful. And the only way was for Jesus to come down and die on the cross with outstretched arms. He was able to stretch, as it were, right across that great canyon. He can touch God on one side and human beings on the other. He, he was both man and he was God. He could bridge that gap. He was the bridge on which we can go over. You see, there is a gap in so many of our lives today. And that intimacy with God, it seems to be impossible. But God is able to bridge that gap. Is this part of your life? Is this how you experience? Have you got that big gap and is there a big chasm between you and God that you cannot bridge? You cannot get over? Jesus is that bridge. You see, God created in the tabernacle a holy of holies. Same thing applied in the temple. He provided a space which we could come in and to meet with God and to have that relationship with God. And God wants us to come into that holy of holies again. Phil touched on it last week. We, he wants us to come into that holy of holies and spend time in his presence and to worship him. Doing nothing. When you're in God's presence so often, you cannot do anything. When the glory of God came upon the tabernacle, when the glory of God came into the, the temple, the priests, and, the, and they couldn't do anything. They were just flat out on the ground. And you know, when we come into the presence of God, we won't be able to do anything. Because the glory and the wonder of God will be so much that we'll be flat on the floor. But God wants our presence. That's what it is. He doesn't want us necessarily to be doing things. He does want us to do things. But the important thing is for us to be there, not to be the doing. It was God who erected that uh, curtain, as it were, that barrier between himself and sin when he banished Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. And he set in place a mighty cherubim to guard it. But that barrier was broken down when Jesus rose again from the dead. The curtain was torn in two. We can now go in. We can get back to that relationship. We can get back to the presence of God. 
He provided that door of access. It was God that took the initiative there. He loved us so much and wanted that original relationship with him to be restored. That, but somehow nothing else could bridge that gap. But Jesus came down and did it for us. God took the initiative and sent Jesus to bridge that gap between a holy God and a sinful man. You see, this is more than a, 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 a distant lecture on relationship. God could sort of said all this. He could have shouted it down from heaven, as it were, and said, I want a relationship with you, and this is what it should be like, and this is how you should do it, and get, just get on with it. But he came down in a, in a demonstration, in the form of Jesus, to demonstrate how this could de- take place. And Jesus became that, uh, that doorway that gate in which we could enter into that relationship with him again. He was the bridge, as it were, that we could enter into that relationship. He gave a demonstration of what it's like to be in relationship. Jesus was in relationship with his God the Father all the time. He never did anything unless he saw Father God doing it or he heard God, Father God saying it. Such was his relationship as a human being with God the Father. He had that relationship and he demonstrates for us what that relationship is to be. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Have you entered through that gate? Have you passed over? Have you restored? Have you worked into that relationship with Jesus again and crossed the bridge? Step through the gate. If you're not sure... There'll be ministry team to be able to pray with you at the end of the service that you might know and be assured that you've entered into that relationship for what you were made, for what you were designed. Through God sacrificing himself in Jesus on our behalf, sin is atoned for and the relationship is once again restored. It's the cross and the atoning work of Jesus on the cross that has enabled that relationship to be restored. On the cross, Jesus faced not only judgment and penalty for, for sin, but he also faced an alienation from God. You remember that great cry of Jesus? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took on himself that alienation, that separation from God. And I believe personally that it broke his heart. That what, that's really what caused him to die. He died earlier than most human beings. But I believe it was that alienation, that broken relationship for him from God that caused it to break his heart. He broke his heart. That separation from God broke his heart. And that's why he, he died upon the cross. Christ paid the penalty for people's sins by taking away all that stood between God and humans. And in doing so, it made us right with God. <laughs> with our friendship with God restored, we can now rejoice and experience that wonderful relationship with God again. We can enter into a wonderful relationship with God again. Because the reason for the broken relationship has been dealt with, and that has been dealt with on the cross. Sin has to be dealt with because it causes separation from God. Separation from God and man. 
And the reason for dealing with sin is that so our relationship with God can be restored. And the basis of our Christian life, the real foundation of what we're talking about, this is foundational stuff, has everything to do with relationship. It's both vertical and it's horizontal. The cross is vertical and it's also horizontal. It's all about restoring relationship with God and it's all about restoring relationship with our fellow human beings. It's not what we know, it's who we know. It's not what we know, it's who we know. It's nothing to do with knowledge or intellect, it's no, not anything to do with how well you know the Bible and how much you can you know, talk and quote the Greek and the Hebrew and know what all these words mean. It's about the person of Jesus. The Christian religion is so often built upon that tree of knowledge. You remember it was the tree of knowledge of good or evil that the Adam and Eve wanted to know about. And so often we, we feel that it's knowledge and intellect that what it's all about. But the difficulty is, as with all religions, is that if we think we know it all and we found the real knowledge of good and evil, then we've got God parceled up and we've got God packaged up. We've got him understood uh, and we know everything. But in a relationship, you don't know everything. You, it's a continuing, it's a growing thing. It's a, an ongoing activity. We don't live by a creed. We don't live by a set of principles or a set of rules or some sort of structure. Religion gives people that, uh, they, that God is in their debt in some way. They've got him under control. And as long as they do certain things, that he will do certain things for them. Religion says we can understand God absolutely and completely. But in a relationship, we get to know one another more and more. We get to understand someone more and more. We don't know them completely. God wants us to have intimacy with him. Not a form of faith. He wants us. He wants us. See, Jesus didn't endure the cross of Calvary so that we could fill some religious duty or we could fit into lots of rules and regulations. He wants us and he wants our love. We can either choose to protect the rules and regulations that we make up for ourselves. We can create a religious culture by doing lots of things. Or we can protect our relationship and create a culture of love. And my heart's desire is that we as a fellowship here would have a culture of love. Love for God and love for one another. If I, if I was to describe, or you asked me to describe in one word what the Christian life is all about, what church is all about, that one word would be relationship. Relationship. From Genesis right the way through to Revelation, the story is all about relationships. Love God and love your neighbour as yourself. If you go away with nothing else, relationship is the word I want you to hold on to and think about. 
So in conclusion, the evidence of our maturity as uh, human beings is able to create and maintain healthy, stable relationships. No man is an island, you've heard that expression. We are, we are not islands, we're not isolationists at all. We're made to relate to God, we are made to relate to God, and we are made to relate to other people. So if we don't relate to God and we don't relate to other people, then we're not fulfilling who we are and what we've been made for. God created us to live in loving relationships with one another. And as we move through life, our vertical relationship with God should enhance our horizontal relationships that we have with other people. God first, that's the first command. And then the horizontal relationships will come. If you don't love God, you, you have real difficulty loving other people. And as John says it in his, uh, uh, his epistles, we can't say that we love other people if we don't love God. We've got to love God, and out of that we love one another. It's God that enables us to love one another. Our love for our neighbours must flow out of our love from God. Yes, Jones, the great missionary, says this, Christianity is the science of living well together with others according to Jesus Christ. Isn't that what I've said? It's all about relationship, one word. Christianity is the science of living well together with others according to Jesus Christ. Whilst we are unique individuals, we can only know what it is to be truly human being as we relate to other people. It's all about relationship. Our relationships with our fellow human beings, as well as with God, help us to make us who we are. We are who we are because of relationship. The centrality, the centrality of a cross is all about relationship. Amen. vertical relationship with God reflects on our horizontal relationship with others and that's very powerful. Hopefully we can take that into the next week coming and our relationships with our colleagues at work, um, with our fellow brother, brethren, our husbands and wives, well not my husband, but my wife. <laughs> but, but yeah, in all aspects of relationship it requires oneness. And that's why you work better together. Amen. Um, anyone fellowship with us, with us for the first time? No? But I'd like to give a big welcome to my, my mum-in-law. who's flown all the way from Australia yesterday. Well, I don't know if you want to give us another song or... 
Thank you. God bless you.